All right, if you find your place in the book of Ephesians, chapter number three, for just a moment tonight. Ephesians chapter number three, is that mine or yours? <laughs> All right, well, Ephesians chapter number three tonight. I enjoyed the, those, uh, that presentation and uh, doing a good work there in Nicaragua. And uh, I'm, we'll talk to Brother Franco Franco and, and see about having a significant part in helping buying that land. My wife almost backslid her, tel- her phone down there trying to figure out how much land that was in meters. And we finally ended up there's one inch of land they're buying down there for that price. So they have, and finally she folded her phone and tent and put it in her purse and said, I have no idea how much land it is. And uh, I'm glad she didn't get into pesos and dollars because if she had it, we'd really been confused on the front row. But I, I want to do this. Uh, I think we ought to put uh, our resources and our efforts to where the soil is conducive to the gospel. I think it's a very unwise church that puts money in places where there's no fruit. And if you read the the parable of the sower and and the seed and the different grounds, and I think if you're going to be a good steward... You need to find where the ground is fertile, where that people are receptive to the gospel, who are not arguing about how many angels can sit on the head of a needle and thrum a harp, other theological giant conversations such as that. I'd thrill me to see all those folks on those trucks. Used to be that way on our buses. That's before cell phones and um, the media and parents that didn't care. And I, I think that we need to put our efforts in these last days where that the soil is ripe and souls are receptive to the gospel. And man, that was good to see all those folks hanging on those trucks. Amen. I used to see folk do that with their vehicles, but, you know, we don't want to get our vehicles dirty from little stein-nosed bus kids, you know. They, our clean automobiles is a lot more important than people going to heaven, you know, and stuff of that nature, you know. So I'm not going to preach on that tonight, uh, but uh, we'll have a part. We'll talk to Brother Franco, and we'll have a part in helping purchase that land. Amen. You know, I think God has blessed our church over these many years because our church practices what we preach. Now, we just had, uh, I'm, I'm averaging, I'm just, just kind of, our offering this year exceeded $150,000 cash. Now, why shouldn't I preach to you we tithe if our church does not believe in that principle of give and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give to your bosom. 
And I think it would behoove us if God has been so good to give us that offering in one day that we at least practice what we preach and help others along the way. So I think we ought to give them 50 cents. <laughs> That's centavos. <laughs> Honey, would you look on your phone <laughs> and see if we can afford that? All right. Let me preach to you for just a minute tonight out of the book of Ephesians. A great little book. I love the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians was a result of the Apostle Paul stopping in Ephesus in Acts chapter number 19. And he stopped there and won 12 men to the Lord. 12 men. Spent some like three years there. And now he's writing back to the Ephesians 10 years later. And he's writing to that church that he started. And according to 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, the one that John followed Paul and ministered to that group of men till it grew and grew and grew until the church is at the writing. And Paul, the converted persecutor, who's now a preacher, whose name was Saul on the road to Damascus, but when he authored this book, his name was Paul. Now he's the apostle. Now he's the theologian of all theologians. Now he's probably the best soul winner that the New Testament has to offer. And probably the best Christian, the greatest theologian in history. And he says to this church in verse 14, for this cause, I bow my knees under the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant to you, that he'd grant you according to the riches of his glory, now be careful, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit, in the inner man. See, Paul wasn't praying that they'd have nice houses and beautiful cars with cruise control. Paul wasn't praying for a physical need. I think it broke Paul's heart more with a spiritual need than with a physical need. Would to God we could turn back and be as convicted over a backslider as you would a person who just had found out they have cancer. Because a backslider is in more danger than a person with cancer. A person without Christ goes to a Christless eternity. A person is saved and has cancer graduates to heaven and walks into a mansion. And yet in our mixed up situation, we are more moved over a physical need than we are a spiritual need. 
My Bible said, they that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seeds shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing their sheaves with them. Where's the tears gone in our eyes for those folks who's lost without Christ? And many of them live in our very homes, and yet we cannot muster a tear for an eternal soul. Oh, we need, Paul says, I'm praying for you. I'm not too interested about what you're driving, what you're living in. I'm more interested in that interman. Hmm? The one that lives forever, the one that identifies and relates to God. Verse 17, he's praying that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith. He being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend. You like that? Comprehend with all. Somebody stole my sermon out of my Bible. That's why I don't need it. Brother, Sean, you're fired. It's gone. That's good. Watch this. May be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth and the height. And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Has your husband told you what you're full of lately? Has your wife insinuated what you might be full of? That you might, that you know the love of Christ and the Passeth all knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, after all of that, now, <clears throat> unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory. In the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world, Without end, amen. Could I please look at verse number 20 for just a moment tonight? The Bible said, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we think or ask. That'd be a tremendous sermon, wouldn't it, tonight? You say, preacher, I've got a real need. Petty cash to God. Where'd you find that? Huh? What? Your desk. It was on my desk? Sean, why'd you leave that in there? Sean said, well, I don't know why I'll put up with this guy. Hey, that's the wrong one. <laughs> He's going to get another one now. What a wonderful, wonderful promise that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask. And I don't great promise tonight to the child of God. You know, that ought to put a smile on a persimmon. That ought to heal a hole in donut. 
There's just nothing in the world that that does not comprehend when it comes to our need, our want, that he, God, is able to do exceeding above all that we can think or ask. That's not my sermon tonight. Notice this next phrase. Notice this next phrase. You ready? According to the power that worketh in us. Now, grab that just a little while tonight. According to the power that worketh in us. Would that kind of power enable you to quit smoking, drinking, lusting, carousing? I mean, that's just the creative power of Almighty God. That's just the power that was exercised in creation's morn when God stepped out on the ledge of nothing and spoke and everything we see and experience and enjoy just like that came into existence. The power that worketh in us. I, I don't think we could wrap our mind around the power that could take a persecutor by the name of Saul who stood by with glee in his eyes and a, and a smirk on his face as the rocks pounded Stephen to his death there with blood running out of his very pores. And he stands there enjoying that, feeling he's done God a favor by allowing that to happen. And in the next few pages of the Bible, he's preaching the gospel. He's guilty of what Stephen was guilty of, falling in love with a Savior. Man, that's power. Wonder-working power. Where's that in our life? We don't have enough power to make us smile when we come to church. We're afraid that the preacher's going to preach too long. I just want to talk to you tonight for just a little while about the power that worketh in us. Do you think that's 10% power? Does God have enough money and enough power to replace your 10% that you're keeping in your pocket, cheating yourself out of the blessings of God? The power that worketh in us, so how we're so, how we're so childish, so kindergartish in our Christian experience.
what are you doing crying over there? Well, somebody said they didn't like me down at the church house. Paul, was it right you were stoned? Was it true that you were incarcerated? Paul, was it true that you were in the deep shipwreck days and nights? Paul, is it true that you were incarcerated, thrown in prison, locked up with a Roman soldier day and night? Paul, is that why you lost your smile? He said, no, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself that I might finish my course with joy. Is there anybody here tonight? Power, according to the power that worketh in us. Man, you are a walking stick of dynamite. Because the word power in the Greek for this verse is the word dunamis. And it's the word we get our word dynamite from. And the Bible, you could read it this way if you would please, according to the dynamite that worketh in us. Thank God we don't have firecracker power. We act like it, we spurt and here and there and, pew, 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 and we never blow anything up. We just sput around. Amen. And we forget that we are a walking, talking, thick dynamite. Well, amen. Bless your heart. Wouldn't it be terrible if I had a heart attack while I was preaching this? Thank you, honey. God bless you. Didn't I I read someplace where somebody said, all power... Is given unto me in heaven and earth. Speaking to the New Testament church and said, now I'm going to give it to you. And I want you to take that power and with that power, I want you to be witnesses unto me. I want you to teach the whole world and baptize them in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Ghost and teaching them whatsoever things. Hey, look, man, I don't go by own power. He is still working on me to make me what I ought to be. How's he doing that? Power that's working, working in us. Have you got a minute to turn to Ephesians chapter 1? Chapter 1, verse 18. Could I please help you a minute? And just to help you a little bit, since I'm preaching on prayer on Sunday morning, let me start at verse 16. Paul says to that church, Cease, I've ceased not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power 
to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Anybody here believe the word of God tonight? I said, anybody here tonight believes the word of God? Then raise your head up, bless your heart, and look above all those Mickey Mouse hen house problems that's sending you to your knees and making you cry and lift them up and realize you are a walking, talking, sticking dynamite for God. I feel so sorry for you since you're saved. You kids have it so bad, you can't do what all the other kids are doing. You shouldn't want to if you're saved. You said, well, I'm just acting like my mom and daddy. Amen. Power. What is this power that works in us? What is it we're missing? Can we identify This power that changes us from a bar-hunting, hell-raising, fighting, sorry, no good shot to a preacher of the gospel. What changes a man from stem to stern and makes him a brand new creature in Christ? What is it that makes us want to fight the church one week and join next week? It's power. Let me give them to you quickly. I have, is that, is that 650? <laughs> Could I talk to you tonight about the power of the word of God. I have that. I have a steady diet of the word of God. I hide it in my heart daily and I have for 50 some years. I've never grown weary of it. I've never learned it. I've just read it and believed it. And there has been a transformation take place like you would never believe could transpire. Not by works of righteousness which I have done, but by his mercy he saved us. And he's still working on me. Number one, by the power of the word of God. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Why is Jesus called the Word? What is A word. A word is an expression. Jesus is the expression 
of God. So the word was in the beginning with God. And there was not anything made without the word. Is that right? I read today that uh, in that parable of the seed and the sower, that the seed was the word of God. Within every seed, there is a DNA that produces after its own kind. For instance, you and I can take a redwood seed that falls from a 280-foot giant. We can hold that seed in the palm of our hand. All I have to do to produce another giant is to put that seed in fertile ground and wait about a thousand years and I got another giant. So when God places the word, are you listening to me now? When God places the word that has the DNA to produce after the word. And when God places the written word that has the same DNA as the living word in fertile ground, it produces what's in the DNA. If you have the word of God in your heart, it's powerful enough to make you look and act like Jesus. Anybody here? Mark 12 and 24, and Jesus answered and said unto them, Do you not therefore err, because you know not the Scriptures, neither the power of God? A child of God always errs and always goes wrong when you do not do what the Bible says. Hebrews 4 and 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Quick. It's the same word found in Ephesians chapter, talking about those who were dead in Christ, who were dead in trespasses and sin. But now you have been quickened and made alive. The word of God is alive. Amen. 
It's alive. You read it, you do something wrong, it'll kick you. Amen. You do something right, it'll bless you. Right. You say, there's certain parts of the Bible I don't like to read. Wonder why? The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, even to divide asunder the spirit and the soul. Now, of course, you know what that means. You're a psychologist. You've read all the books on psychiatry. You know that. That man is a triune being, body, soul, and spirit. You know that. But now in psychology terminology, watch that Zorn baby back there. Tell him, quit saying amen during his preaching. It might get me stirred up, and I really want to shout. I forgot where I was now. And so modern-day psychology has got us wrapped up in the Two phases, body, and they've kind of grouped together that soul and that spirit. And they've grouped it so tightly together now that man is not a soul that spends eternity someplace when he dies, but man is a spirit. It's all emotions. But what we don't understand is that the Word of God is sharp, powerful, even to dividing our emotions from our will. Too bad a lot of folk come down here emotionally, never make a spiritual decision, and without repentance, there's no salvation. But thank God for the word of God. It's powerful. It's sharp. It'll divide us under. Even the bone and the sinew. or You can't hardly divide the two. I don't know if you know that or not. It looks as if the sinew is drawn out of the bone. And you have to be very, very meticulous in scraping it off because it won't turn loose. But the word of God is quick and powerful and sharp enough to divide asunder to let us see that we're either going to heaven or we're going to hell. Power that worketh in us. If you don't digest the word of God, it's going to keep you straight. You are as spiritual as as much as you're reading the book. You say, I come to church. What do you want me to do, chrome your toenails? The devil comes to church. He can quote more Bible than I can. What do you got here? Well, you don't understand. I work. I got a job. Well... When your kids get sick, just pray, dear boss, help us. The power. Man, we've got power. The power of this book. It revolutionized my life from stem to stern. Well, nothing this book hadn't changed in my life. Even my toenails got saved. Amen. Amen. Even my bad habits got saved. 
My want to got saved. And ever since I've been saved, I've been reading this book. And some days I like what it says. And some days I say, wife, come in here and read this. You need this. A friend of mine has a saying that I cherish. I'm a work in progress. And this is what's doing the work. The power of the Word of God that worketh in us. Time to quit, ain't it? I got three more points. Now, I'm going to quit, but I'm going to give them to you. The power of prayer. The power of prayer. You say, now preacher, how real is prayer in your life? Let me share it with you. I think, Brother Marshall, didn't you go with us into this morning when we prayed with Mrs. Cook? Andrew, you were there. Uh, who else was there? Brother Sean was there. Can you guys remember what I prayed? I said, Dear Lord, guide the physician and give him wisdom. Call to memory everything you've had that he's learned. And when he has done the best he can, we know where healing comes from. Amen. Amen. We left and went out front and was waiting with Brother Cook and his daughter, their daughter. And the doctor came out and says, I don't think it's wise we do the surgery today. What a coincidence. What a coincidence that I would ask God the Father to give the physician wisdom to take care of one of our dear sisters in Christ. And within an hour, God said, okay. And I sit there with my bare face hanging out, just watching God work. Power. You mean our God's not big enough to change the person that needs to be changed in your life? You mean God's not big enough to take care of your kids without you got a GPS and their phone to find out where they are? You mean to tell me that God can't handle the petty cash deal that's going on in your life? Well, you don't understand how tough it is. No, and I don't understand how tough it was for Paul. I'm having enough trouble with mine. I don't have any trouble with Paul. But I'll tell you one thing. He's big enough to handle anything going on in our life. Because he's still working on me. And he's working through the power of God's word. Through the power. Through the power, bless your heart, of prayer. Don't ever forget this. What can wash away my sins. You know the rest of it? 
Oh, really? What's that blood for? He's working through us with the power of the word, the power of prayer, and the power of the blood. And the revelation says, and I believe it with all my heart, and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. Let me give you a phrase we forgot how to use. I plead the blood. When I pray, I plead the blood for my wife. If the blood protected Israel in Egypt, and if the blood protected Israel through the wilderness, then when I pray, I plead the blood for my son and my daughter and their family. Dear God, they're under the blood. They're under the blood, Lord. Send the fire by night and the cloud by day. But whatever you do, protect my family. They're under the blood. I plead the blood. Say, we don't do that anymore. We Google it. We're always looking for an answer when the answer has been there all the time. The power, ladies and gentlemen, don't get mad at me. The power that worketh in us, that power has kept me in church for 52 years. That power has fed my families for 50 years. That power has kept me preaching 50 some years. It's kept me alive for 79 years. And the devil can't have me and the world can't rob me because I'm under the blood. Set apart by prayer and full of the word of God. And all of God's people said, I thought you thought that was the last one. Power that worketh in us, the power of the Holy Ghost. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And anybody say, Man. I tell you, the Holy Ghost will make you act like a fool sometimes. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I close with this verse. Now the God of hope. Now the God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, could I ask you a personal question? Do you need any joy in your life? Could you stand a little peace that don't come out of a bottle? 
Would you like to grab a hold of some hope that'll keep you going till Jesus comes? Well, read the word, plead the blood, the instant in prayer, and be full of the Holy Ghost. And all of God's people said, Oh, but preacher, I feel so weak. Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Because the power of Christ rests upon me. Ain't that great? Now tomorrow the devil's going to hit you right in the face or something. And you can tell him he can go right back to hell where he came from. Because you've been washed in the blood sanctified in prayer. Amen. Amen. Full of the Holy Ghost. And you can shake this word in his face and say, you take that.